We're on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, a researcher at the University of Missouri, used virtual reality and artificial intelligence to determine how autistic people experience their environment. Noah Glazer joins me. Hey, Noah. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, well, thanks for joining me. Hey, when we think of virtual reality or VR, at least I do, I think of people playing video games or uh, artificial intelligence or AI we hear, we're starting to hear so many negatives about how AI is going to take over and dominate over humans and they're going to run things. But you found a way to use VR and AI in a more practical manner. Uh, that's something that many of us wouldn't give much thought about, but things such as getting on a bus or navigating a college campus. Give us uh, the basics of this study or project that you worked on. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, summary and introduction to what we've done. But basically what we did was we created a replica of a university setting, and we partnered with a day program that serves autistic adults to provide vocational and uh, kind of like social opportunities for those individuals. What we did was we created this replica of the university setting with a functional uh, public transportation simulation with the idea that if we could teach like autistic adults and those with disabilities how to catch public transportation, then they could be afforded more opportunities to be um, to have more job opportunities, more social opportunities, more ability to get to their classes, et cetera. So we wanted to use VR as a way of providing them with the ability to practice uh, these skills in a safe and repetitive way that we can control. And with the in regards to artificial intelligence, what we actually did was we were able to use AI technology, uh, in this case computer vision, as a way of analyzing how the learners of our VR system were interacting with the virtual environment and how we could improve it and adapt it for accessibility. You worked, Noah, on this project with a gentleman by the name of Matthew Schmidt, who's with the University of Georgia. Uh, not many times that Mizzou right. and Georgia get along on things, but uh, you certainly did on this project. <laughs> um, yes, yes. So when when someone put on these these headsets, they were kind of kind of like doing a, a training and what they would experience when they they do it in real life. What were some of the what were some of the things that you noticed that popped up that um, um, that were distractions or, or caused interruptions? Uh, as they were kind of training and, and going through this the first few times? Sure. So if you think about people who are neurodivergent or autistic, anyone with some kind of uh, cognitive disability, uh, oftentimes you hear that stimuli can be overwhelming. There's often stimuli processing challenges, things like that. Uh, so some of the things that we noticed were distracting were the inclusion of other people in the environment or non-playable characters in this case where we had like pre-programmed people who would walk around so it actually feel like a robust and live college campus. So what we were able to do is to adapt the environment for each individual. And that's one of the great things about virtual reality is that you can control, manipulate all these different environments to make it as realistic or as controlled as you want to make it. So as people went through the environment, we were able to either build in or remove supports as needed. So maybe the first time they go through it, they really heavily scaffold an environment with extra signs. The complexity is reduced. The stimuli is reduced. And as they get used to it going through it again and again, we can make it mirror the real world. 
to the point where eventually there's more people in there, there's more sounds, maybe the bus shows up late, and you can actually make it um, like it would be if you were to go out onto a campus and try and catch a bus yourself. Noah Glazer is joining us, a researcher at the University of Missouri. Uh, They used VR and AI to help um, autistic people or uh, neurodiverse individuals uh, experience uh, their environment and kind of train for things. You know, I I see people put uh, VR headsets, you know, if I'm looking at TikTok and, um, you know, they show somebody (laughs) playing a game or something, they end up, you know, going through a wall. But they they put on these VR headsets and they're a little shaky. Uh, it just what they're standing and they're they're moving around. Was that a hurdle for people with sensory issues of just getting them used to to putting this on and and what they were going to experience? You know, it, it was. Um, what you're describing is sometimes called cyber sickness. Yeah, and it mirrors that of um, motion sickness, where you can feel dizzy or nauseated or your eyes can hurt, um, and Interestingly enough, is that something about 99% of the research that's been done, the vast majority of research out there concerning cyber sickness has been conducted on people who are neurotypical, people who don't have any kind of cognitive disability like autism or ADHD or epilepsy, which leaves a pretty big gap in the research literature around what are these experiences like. Um, But actually, uh, Dr. Matthew Schmidt and I have published one of the few papers on this topic, actually in the journal called Virtual Reality, appropriately enough, that examines uh, concepts of cyber sickness for autistic learners. And in this case, what we found is that there definitely were signs of cyber sickness, um, but it wasn't enough to stop anyone from completing the simulations. But we do, we have actually published a couple of papers with process models and things that we are proposing as health and safety concerns that people and future researchers should take into consideration when designing virtual reality systems for anyone who might be neurodivergent or just prone to uh, sensory issues. As you went through this study, were there underlying themes or were there consistencies of of things that were issues for a majority of people, or was it a variety of different factors for different individuals? Uh, so I'd say there's a variety of factors for different individuals. There's a saying in autism research that if you've met one person with autism, then you've met one person with autism. It is a spectrum condition, so there's so much variability from person to person, and it's really hard to design for like the entire autistic population. Uh, so one of the things that we set out to do when we created this project was we wanted to make it as accessible as possible. And because of this, we actually used a human-centered design process called Learner Experience Design, where we partnered with a program that serves autistic adults in their community. We collaborated with them. We had them test out our prototypes. We sought input from them. And we even, like, up through the implementation itself, we had a wide range of VR headsets and controller configurations that were available to try and... uh, best serve as many people as possible. Noah Glazer with us from the University of Missouri using VR and AI to help autistic people uh, experience their environment. Um, This may be jumping ahead, uh, but do you see a time 
when people with neuro neurodivergent is that is that the term is that the correct term? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a time when people with neurodivergent that they'll be able to walk around with a VR headset or uh, have it where AI would be able to block out or eliminate those distractions that maybe make it a little difficult for that individual? They do. And, you know, it's actually, I'm working on a project now. I was recently awarded a National Science Foundation grant with some colleagues at the University of Missouri and the uh, College of Engineering, uh, Dr. Prasad Kalyam. Uh, and we are creating a cybersecurity virtual reality game for neurodivergent adults. And we are integrating artificial intelligence as a way not just to provide individualized support, but to also provide um, assistance throughout the environment. So at any time that they're in the environment, if they're feeling overwhelmed, for instance, they can say, they press a button. It's almost like Siri on your iPhone. You press a button and it like starts recognizing your voice and you can say, hey, this flickering TV, it's making me feel nauseous. Can you fix that? And it will adapt the environment. Or you can say, hey, can you remind me of what we just discussed five minutes ago when we were talking about whatever the topic was. And it can give you reminders and support. So we're actually using AI right now um, in a lot of different ways in virtual reality settings. That's fascinating. My wife would probably say I could use that one because she'll tell me something and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I might, might need to be on the lookout for AI. Um, no, fascinating work. As people listen to this, should we be concerned about VR and artificial intelligence, or is it something we should embrace? I'll give you the academic answer of it depends. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's pros and cons to everything. Depends on who's using it and how they're using it. Yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to do, hopefully, is uh, use artificial intelligence uh, early and to provide stepping stones for future researchers and practitioners on how they can use these kind of technologies in ways that are beneficial towards society and ways that can improve the lives of, of others and by providing like accessibility options, etc. Noah Glazer, one of the good guys, University of Missouri, along with Dr. Matthew Schmidt from uh, Georgia, and they also partnered with a program at the University of Cincinnati for this. Uh, great work, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.